Hello and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I am here in the Seattle area supporting writers and usually first or second or third time authors putting out that book. Yeah, sometimes it's a brand, sometimes it's a blog, but I really have a lot of fun helping people write their books. And often it is a book about legacy, a book about memoir, sometimes a self-development book, uh, sometimes something that reflects directly to the brand. I was once a college instructor. In fact, I was a college instructor for a really long time and a college writing tutor before that. I started there in my 20s, eons ago. Doesn't seem that long ago, though, sometimes, but when I say I was 23, when I start, yeah, so that was a while ago. <laughs> and I really found that I had this huge desire to share with people how you tell a good story, but, you know, what kind of career gets you that? I didn't really know. I, I couldn't really see at that time that I was headed for a degree in literature. I knew I wanted to teach, but I knew I wanted to listen and be with people and, and help people understand their own real live stories. It's all culminated in a funny way. I couldn't have predicted it back there, but now I am a writing coach and a radio host. And my whole, my whole mission is just to help you discover your voice and tell that story. Again, I'm based in the Seattle area. I do things online and in person here. If you'd like to learn more, go to my website, www.coachdebbie.com, and that's D-E-B-B-Y, coachdebbie.com. Well, today we are going to jump in and look at those patterns that spell success for you as a writer. And hopefully we're going to get into at least five, kind of five steps to creating success. Um, one thing that I, I want to instill in you is that while you often have big plans that deserve great outcomes, you might find yourself weary of not knowing how to step into those big plans and how to ensure that your book or your brand new business plan or your brand new blog is actually going to make it into the world and be birthed there. So what I want to ensure you to know is that it's all around developing your patterns and learning from your patterns. I really think that that's the ticket to gaining confidence and having courage to take the next step or as some people call it the next leap of faith. And I really want to um, encourage you to believe that you are succeeding every time you subscribe to a learned pattern. So we're going to get into that more. It's not those flukes. It's not those windfalls that are really supporting you. It's your own examination of the patterns that are working for you, serving for you, 
and, and that you could even repeat. A lot of times what we fail to do is look back at what's gone well and really believe in ourselves. We go to, in fact, I was just with a friend who over and over again in the conversation just kept saying, Google it, Google it, find out more, Google it. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to pretend that Google has more intelligence than we do. Google might be like the old phone book and point us in direction, but we are, we are the intelligent ones, okay? Can we just get that straight for a second? It's not Google that is thinking for us. Google is sort of a GPS that points us in the direction and might even lead us where we need to go. But once we arrive, it's up to us to be in the game, whatever that game is. Could be writing your book. So it's very, very important to look back and consider what got me here? What are the skills? What's the wisdom? What do I have that got me here that's repeatable and will get me to the next place I want to go? So I'm listening to myself talk here, and I'm hearing all kinds of abstract ideas. We're going to ground this into the experience of writing a book, writing a brand, writing a blog, telling your story, sharing your vision, all of that. It really helps when you decide to engage in the conversation and join me here. You could, you could call in. You could write to me on Facebook. You could send me an email. Uh, my email is askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. Askcoachdebbie, and that's spelled D-E-B-B-Y, at gmail.com. You could call the radio station, and when you do, guess who you're going to talk to? You are going to talk to Eric, who's just standing by. I know he knows the phone number better than I do. So let's ha say hi to Eric. Hello. Good afternoon and happy Thursday. And may I say, uh, Coach Debbie, you're looking great today. You got a new hairstyle. So uh, I kind of wish that people could see as well as hear you. Uh, but uh, let me just let the listeners know that uh, you've got a kind of a fresh, cool look today. So I just wanted to give you that compliment. <laughs> Thank you. It's because I didn't do it. I don't know if I told you that, but I just went to see my, uh, my hairdresser. I've only seen her twice now, but wow, I can count on every, what, one day out of every six weeks. I'm going to have a <laughs> great hair day now. So. Well, you, you always look stylish. You come in looking very professional. You know, it's radio, so you, you could technically show up in your pajamas and uh, slippers, and, and that would be fine, too. But I, yeah. I always like it when people make an effort. So yeah, thank, thank you. you for doing that. And um, let me just mention the phone numbers, 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888 298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. And we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, we would love to talk to you. It always makes for great radio when we have this opportunity to kind of use an example of what you're going through, coach you through it, and then all the other listeners go, oh, that's me too. 
Yeah. We kind of join our own Me Too movement here, the writer's Me Too movement of, I understand now, I understand I'm not the only one writing in isolation and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're looking at what are those patterns of success. There are so many ways to claim success as a writer, and yet it can completely elude us when we are working in isolation. All kinds of people to go to to get advice, all kinds of ways to just become more grounded and thoughtful. I want to share with you, I I opened up with a Facebook Live today and was recommending the book Bird by Bird. Have any of you studied Annie Lamont's book, Bird by Bird? It's wonderful. I was saying on Facebook Live today, I wish I had written it. Because it's just that homey advice that comes right out of her story of growing up. But all the while, she's helping you be a better writer of your own memoir a better writer of your own experience. Uh, it's. I think I'm on my third, I bet this is my third time reading it. And one little bit of advice she says, <laughs> it's, it's so, this is how Annie works. She is so to the point that you, you can't figure out how you missed this. But then she says it, and you go, gosh, that's just dead on. She says this, you are writing a first draft, so a first draft can exist. (laughs) I mean, that is so clear. It's so simple that it's profound. You are writing a first draft, so a first draft can exist. In other words, get into the pattern and the habit of letting yourself just write that thing and know it's your first draft. It's nothing more than that. Let's say right now you're, you're in the process of building a blog for your brand and you're thinking, gosh, it's, it's got to be smart. It's got to compel people to read. I wonder if it needs to be weekly. Should I be quoting people? Do you see how the mind automatically goes into what should it contain? If you go ahead and write those things down, all the shoulds you think it should contain, then all of a sudden you're free to start writing that first draft. I'm not kidding. It is profound, this thing she has said. You're writing a first draft, so a first draft can exist. It's profoundly simple. But the thing is, if we don't get into the pattern of letting ourselves write the first draft, all we have are our shoulds. I should have enough quotes. I should have enough knowledge. I should have enough research. I should have someone to follow. I should have a lovely platform. I should have some images. I I should, 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 should. And the draft is waiting for you. It's not happening. 
Annie Lamont, in her book, Bird by Bird, every single chapter of that just sort of, it's it's almost like the blanket in wintertime. It's just this thing that wraps around me and says, it's okay. You can, you can complicate it if you want, but you don't really have to. You just got to go back to some of those things that your writing teacher told you. And one thing every writing teacher told you when you were new and fresh and thinking about becoming a writer one day, when you were a teen, when you were looking out into that huge world and you were imagining yourself accepting the Pulitzer Prize for your novel, when you were just dreaming and nobody was in your way, way back there, you had this simple connection and this ability to absorb great advice from your writing teachers. And I bet you heard plenty about writing a first draft. And when we write our first drafts, we're doing it without a big editorial mindset of, got to get this right because I'm in a rush. First drafts and rushes, they don't go together. (laughs) Even if you only have 20 minutes to write a first draft, you're, you're really just focusing on being with the idea, not getting to the absolute end of it. So one great pattern is to come back to the idea And I'm going to quote her again. It's so simple that it's just crazy. It's crazy profound, if you ask me. And it's this. You are writing a first draft. So a first draft can exist. You got nothing to work with until that first draft exists. All you got up until then is a bunch of shoulds you can find a groove, get into the habit of befriending that there is peace in having a first draft of something written. And remember, it could be the first draft of the first paragraph of your first blog. It doesn't have to be the whole dang book, right? Put that into the chunk that you can manage and do it. That, my friend, I think is one of the most simple and yet one of the most profound patterns that you can befriend. Draft the first one. Do it. All right. We're coming up on our first break. How'd that happen? We're coming up on our first break in a minute here. Uh, We do have Jim that has a question about patterns. And I just want to say uh, quickly, Jim, before we go to break, um, the only thing that makes a pattern good is that it works for you. And the only thing that makes a pattern bad is that it doesn't work for you. All right? And then I'm going to get to the rest of your question after the break. I want you out there to be thinking, what's your question? And maybe text it to me. 
We will be right back. Hi, I'm Kathy Cooper, and every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m., I'll be hosting Lost and Found. We'll be discussing all types of losses, but it's not going to be the doom and gloom hour. It'll be an hour of education, support, validation, and yes, we will have a little bit of humor. So won't you join me Wednesdays, 1 to 2 p.m., Lost and Found, because every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick and proud aunt. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. One in six. That little girl sitting alone at the playground, she can't play like the other kids. She doesn't have the energy because she's hungry. School lunch will be her only meal today. It breaks my heart that this is the reality in our country, but it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. This food is then provided to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about using your imagination, learning, and having fun. These children shouldn't have to miss out on simply being a kid because they're hungry. To find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your community, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back. This is Story U Talk Radio, and today we are taking a look at the patterns that writers have. But specifically, I want you to be thinking about what are the patterns that serve you? We come to understand this because we're willing to participate in inquiry and we are willing to reflect. When you are a serious writer, you are always open to questions that will move you deeper into content and you are open to the time it takes to reflect on what goes well, what works for you, what serves you. Something I was noticing today, I feel like I have like four pots of coffee in me. And part of that is because I did just a ton of writing right before the show. I get a lot of energy sometimes from writing. And right now I'm, I'm sitting still in front of a microphone. I, I feel like I should be outside in the sunshine having a big old power walk. That's what often writing does to me. It gets my energy going, really going, faster than I can talk. It's important to take inventory and find out what sort of patterns serve you and how do they serve you. Here's a question that I put out for my writing students, and it is this. How do you regard your writing? If you know how you regard your writing, you can consistently think of it as, you know, very black and white. So 
Maybe you regard your writing as quality stuff. This is the good stuff. My writing is something I love to get back to. It helps me think. It helps me feel mm, independent. It helps me feel clear. How does your writing serve you? Or do you take a very manic side to this and say, you know, my writing is usually just junk. If you find yourself in the pattern of thinking that your writing is of high quality, you will build high quality patterns from that. If you're in the pattern of thinking that your writing is junk, you're going to build patterns from that. And what I want you to see is how diverse these two are. So I'm going to give you an example. I used to have a student who came from Iran and was working very, very hard to learn English. He thought of himself as a strong writer in his native language and wanted desperately to think of himself as a strong writer of English, but he knew he was still learning English. And one day I told him, it takes about seven years of speaking in your second language to feel fluent and to feel confident in fluency. And his jaw just hit the table practically, and he said, then it's never going to happen. It'll never happen for me. That's just too far off. I'll be done with college by then. So all of a sudden, he's gone from thinking very high of himself to thinking low of himself. Why? Because of in his native language, he really related to writing. But in his second language, he didn't. And all of a sudden, there's this huge chasm between what he knows he can achieve and what he believes he's stuck with. So this is dangerous. If we start to believe in a new pattern, which is, you know, I was a good writer over there, but I'm a terrible writer here, that's, that's going to direct where we go with our writing. But if we can hold on to this idea of I am a very good writer in my native language and I am learning a second language and I am working with the process and I can write an excellent sentence in my new second language and you build from that and you see the quality, you cultivate what you know to be true in your native language and you bring those patterns to the second language, even though you're on a high learning curve of mastering that second language. So you might relate to this. You might be in a situation where English is not your first language. The majority of people I worked with for the first, gosh, probably 15 years of my career were people that were not native speakers. But I'll tell you, it was those that had enriched patterns of working with the writing process 
and working with telling their story in English that really succeeded. And I'm talking about succeeding in a a 12-week or a 24-week period in which I got to work with them. The problem is that it's so easy to think that if we haven't yet learned something, that a high-quality experience is out in the future. That's not a good pattern to instill in your mind. I want you to think about the idea that whatever you have acquired, you can now acquire in a new way. So if you have acquired quality writing in your first language, there is no reason why you cannot acquire quality writing in the second language you are studying. Another way to think of that is if you have acquired like a set of of skills uh, in the workforce, there's no reason why you can't acquire another set of skills in a different area. But you have to believe in that. And that is patterning. That is your ability to go in and say, what worked there that I can bring here? Even though I'm new here, what worked in my native country, in my native language that I can bring here to the new country to the second language and apply. So possibly one thing that worked is that as you write, you only focus on one sentence at a time. Or as you write, you only focus on one topic at a time. Or as you write, you only focus on one question at a time. You really move it down to the bare bones thing you want to focus on. If you were to try to see a huge landscape, let's say, a wide, wide angle landscape, would you agree that you have to have a certain distance from it? Just like that, a writer has to have a certain distance or a certain amount of wisdom they're imparting if they want to acquire more skill. So the pattern I want you to notice here is if you have done something in one area, it's likely that you can adopt new patterns and try it in another area. For me, if I have written a short story, there's no reason that I can't anticipate that I could then turn around and write an essay. A short story is fictional. An essay is usually from real life experience, but the bottom line is you're using similar faculties to create that. If you get in the pattern of believing you can do something or the next level up, you will. If you're in the pattern of thinking, you know, what I produce is junk, not quality, but junk. You're not going to go in that direction. You really have to start with what you believe. So 
like I said, we've got Jim here who has a question. And Jim, just a reminder, uh, it's not really about bad patterns and good patterns. It's about what is serving you. You said here, I have a pattern of rushing. If I feel like I should have gotten further along in one sitting with my essay, I get into the power on mode. And I think that's why I never like the endings I create. I don't like endings in general, actually. Maybe that's my problem. Hmm. Endings. Let me think about this for a second. Uh, when we're when we're working with patterns, yeah, you you do have to go back and reflect on what works for you. So if you feel your word was rushed, you have a pattern of rushing and uh, you're combining this with not liking endings. Yeah, I could see how you would get stuck for sure. But what if you turn that around? What if instead of, you know, looking at your timer and seeing you have three minutes left, what if you instead of saying, I've got to get to the end, focused on, I want to finish this last thought in my mind. In other words, you might, you might drop out a minute before that timer goes off, but you're not pushing yourself to write an ending, especially if you don't feel like you relate as well to endings. I want to give you an exercise, though, around that because you bring up a, a really good point. I used to be afraid of endings, especially with, um, especially with fiction, and I think this was because I, I know that golden rule, which is fiction is something you create, but it must be believable, right? We learned this early on in our, in our writing uh, career or from our writing teachers. Fiction is something you create, but it must be believable. And I know that can trip people up a good bit. Well, if it's believable, isn't it real? No. It's something you created. It's something that maybe, you know, you saw something in the real world and you used that to help you dive into your story. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But bottom line, the, the story has to fall on the reader as a something they can buy into and believe. If you evoke any tears, you know you have a believable story. If you evoke laughter, you know you have a believable story. If people are raising their eyebrows, you know you have a believable story. But for a lot of us, it's that ending. Oh, am I going to trash it at the end? Have you been to movies where you felt like the director led you astray and just left you in the dark? And there's too much you have to, you as the viewer of the movie, you have to fill in all by yourself. 
you don't really want that in your story. You you want it to be open ended enough that the the viewer, the reader of your story can fill in the gaps as they like, but you don't want them to be stuck or full of so much question that they're not enjoying your story at the end. And because of this, I want to encourage you to not get into the pattern of rushing that ending. It's precious. Writing your ending is a precious time of writing. It's not a time to rush. So if you've set your timer for 20 minutes and you know you have that 20 minutes to write today, then all you need to get to at the end of 20 minutes is the end of your thought. You don't need to get to the end of your story. That's not important. The pattern you want to develop with yourself is a working relationship that whatever amount of time you set to write is working for you. And if it's not, you need to go back and retweak that time. But you don't need to rush your ending. In fact, you never want to rush your ending. You want to capture the last thoughts in your mind. All right. Let me have a teeny glass of water here. Mm. Thank you. Okay. Let's take another question. This I wrote down in my notes. It came out of my mastermind. And it kind of helped me decide that I wanted to talk about this topic today. And it is on the topic of courage. Uh, I'm going to keep her anonymous. She wrote to me and said, I think I have a problem with courage. I think of writers as being courageous. I think of myself as being a writer, but I don't think of myself as courageous. I know if this was a math problem, it wouldn't all add up. But I don't know where writers get their courage. If this works for your show on patterns coming up, I would really like to understand how I might cultivate some patterns to help me feel courageous as a writer. I know I'm a writer. I don't feel courageous. It seems like they go together. Mm. Yeah, they do. They do go together. I think, I'm trying to think back to my own experience here. Um, Like I said, I did a lot of writing before this show. And it just feels like I got a lot of blood going through my veins here. I think courage and writing go together because we learn to leap into our writing and trust it. We learn to have an intuitive hit that we belong as writers. We come to accept that we are creating draft upon draft and that we do have the know-how to release what's not going to serve that final draft and move forward with words and thoughts that are just 
helping us cultivate a peace that we want to put into the world. So the courage, my dear friend, is that you keep showing up, you keep writing, and you don't wait for tomorrow to have a better idea. Mm. Ooh, I just reminded myself of that feeling. Um, like I said, I did a lot of writing today, and I'm trying to call back how I was feeling when I started. So I was sitting in a hair salon, and I found out that I was going to have to wait a while. And I was feeling kind of anxious. I was feeling the need to fill time. And I just took out my notebook and I started going for it. And like I said, I created a lot of content. But one of the reasons I created a lot of content was because I wasn't worried about if I was being creative or courageous or curious or not. I was just there. I wasn't really thinking about maybe tomorrow I'll have something better to talk about. I just decided to use the gift of time that I was given while I was sitting in the waiting room to write. So, my dear writer, I, I think courage is something more simple than how you're really thinking of it. Courage is the act of stepping forward and doing again and again and again and again and, and not worrying about the outcome, but just saying, you know what? Writers write. And it's courageous to pick up the pen and just do it. It's courageous to go forward and not wait until tomorrow or the weekend or whenever when you just might have a better idea and you can start your writing career then. That's my best answer for you right now. Stay tuned. We're going to have a little break here. And when we come back, more on looking at your patterns for success. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. 
It's a new life. But I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie. I wanted to tell you that in 2020, which you might have noticed it's coming up, in 2020, I'm going to kick off the year by working with five writers. And these five people are people just like you who have said, you know what? Not only do I believe I have a book in me, thank you, Todd Allen, for reminding me that people have a book in them. Not only do I think I have a book in me, but I think 2020 is the year for me to write it. If that's you, and you are willing to sign on the dotted line by December 15th that you want to be in partnership and write that book, You just might be one of the five people that I'll be working with in 2020. And I want to promote that this process that I have for you could free you up by the summertime so that you are on the beach enjoying yourself. Your manuscript is off to the editor, the publisher, whoever, whatever path you choose beyond writing and you are enjoying your free time again. If this interests you, I invite you to send me a text, a post, a Facebook message, an email, and let's set aside a little time to find out what's that book that you have in you so that by 2020, you're relaxing. 2020 summertime, you are relaxing and enjoying yourself. Like I said, it is for five people. And I have one gal, Jenny May. Congratulations. All signed up and ready to go. And I am very, very interested in learning who is next. Today we are looking at your patterns. Because success doesn't happen by way of a fluke or a windfall. Uh, it might it might be one of the many, many touch points in your life that helped you be successful, but truly, success is pattern-based. And we learn about our own success by confidently listening to ourself, by being willing to reflect, by tweaking what has worked well, by repeating what went well, and by really standing and owning that we have a method that we're going to do again, whatever that is. For me, when I'm thinking about writing a longer piece, I go, I have a process I've created. And so I'm going to tell you just a little bit about that in the last segment of our show here. And this really comes back to the pattern of vision. In, in my process, my signature program on writing your book, I have nine stages, 12 steps and nine stages that we go through together. 
And it's very, very important to me to spend lots of energy grounding the notion of vision. Now, I, I say this uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I, I know many of you realize that I am legally blind. So when I talk about vision, I'm never talking about what is in the seeing world. I'm talking about what is in your dream and desire world and what you can call image in your mind, too, to help you see what your next steps are. It's important when you are going to write a book, tell a story, produce an essay, create a new brand, any of that, to get into the space where you can visualize the whole epic plan and write it down. And it could be that you use shorthand for this, longhand, bullets, pictures. But what's really important is that you let your mind see the whole thing, all of it. So I'm just going to give you an example here. There was a, a time uh, a few years ago when I was really really feeling a lot of grief around loss. And when I say loss, I don't really mean physical deaths. I, I just mean there, there was a lot of sadness that dreams I had put into motion were dried up and, in my mind, failing. I was separated from people and places and things that I had big dreams around. And my heart was hurting every day around this. So a lot of people were saying to me, ah, it's probably a great time to write, you know, just just indulge in writing. Well, seemed like it. But I also was in a situation where I, I needed to be generating income for myself. And I was a new entrepreneur. So as you can imagine, I was experiencing a lot of confusion. Grief is often a time when we feel confused and scared and unable to do this pattern that I'm talking to you about. Grief is a time when it's very, very hard to see a vision of what is in front of us. So to a certain extent, I was just plain suffering. And the writing I was doing, for the most part, was journaling. I was doing a lot of blogging, but I wasn't posting the majority of blogging I was doing. Therefore, I ended up calling a lot of those blogs journaling. I created, in about a two-and-a-half-year period, maybe just a little bit longer than that, I created... 2,000 <laughs> blog posts, and I only shared about 12 of them. Now, as a writer, that's a very, very embarrassing thing to admit, but there's a reason for why that was happening, and, and the reason is I was afraid that my vision of being a blogger and a teacher and a writer 
was all going to go down the tubes if I published work that I had created while I was grieving. I had this terrible fear that the editor in me that has good judgment and can recognize quality writing, I, I just felt like she was gone. And this isn't, I came to learn, uncommon. When we're grieving, we lose faith that we have certain abilities, even if we've been practicing our abilities for a long time. And for me, one of those abilities was writing. But because I was grieving, I couldn't find my way back into the pattern of envisioning what I wanted my blog to be or envisioning what I wanted to focus on, which book that I had started, which one deserved my attention. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't make all that add up. So I was scattered and just, I was creating, but I wasn't, I wasn't publishing. I, w I wasn't public with my writing, except every now and then. And I was ashamed about it. So how does this relate to you? What I learned was that you have to attend to your feelings in order to return to your big vision for your writing. And finally, this is what I learned to do. I would come to my journal and say, all right, I've been feeling grief over this issue for some time. Today, I am going to meet that grief. I am going to be with that grief. I am going to let that grief be the writer in the journal. And then, once I feel some relief, I will go back to my vision. And I found this worked very well. It was Robert Holden, who many of you uh, might know of from Hay House Radio. His show is called Shift Happens. I am a weekly follower of that, and he later became one of my writing coaches. Uh, I, I came to understand from him that part of the reason I had fallen away from the pattern of vision was because I was indulging in grief. I wasn't, I wasn't settling my grief. I wasn't meeting my feelings of grief. I had gone a little too far. I was having basically tea parties with grief and not understanding how to transform that grief into new awareness and wisdom and and a deeper capacity to serve others. I may have started there, but eventually I I just found myself in that place where all vision of quality writing and what I wanted as an outcome for my writing, all vision left me. So I was producing a lot of writing, but I wasn't confident sharing it. The vision for it had gotten away from me.
I bring this up because the book, the brand, the blog, whatever it is that you're creating, you have to have a vision for it and the energy to stick with it, to tweak it, to modify it as you go or it's not going to come into being. It's the same if you talk to any entrepreneur about their business plan, if you talk to any parent who is raising a child. Of course, as you're raising a child, you cannot, in, you cannot plan their life for them, but you have to have vision of the value of your family life you can't, you can't just wing everything. And it's the same for a writer. You can't just wing it. So one of the most important things you can do as a writer is, A, take care of your feelings, especially if big feelings are coming up. And I want to encourage you to start with your feelings. Set the timer. 12 minutes is a good time frame. 20 minutes is a good time frame. If you find that 20 minutes is not enough, 36 minutes is another good one. You'll find your own, but be willing to be with the feelings to get relief from the feelings so you can return to the big vision. It's a pattern. Having this pattern of being with the big vision is going to allow you to complete it. So one thing I found I could do was I wrote out a plan, a vision for a book I wanted. I wanted to write stories of coming of age, especially for younger women, younger girls. And I wanted to complete this book in 90 days. I wanted it to be a fictional book of short stories. At that point, I had dealt enough with my grief that I could see the vision. And like I said, I captured it in longhand. I could see I wanted 12 stories. I wanted 12 slightly different topics. I found the voice I wanted. I started to envision it. I started to write the bullet points. I had the plan. This will be done in 90 days. And guess what? It was done in two weeks and two days. And that's the power of vision. But it's hard. It's hard to do if your feelings are bigger than your vision. So that's the number one pattern I can give to you. Stay close to your vision. All right? We will be back next Thursday to talk more about what you are writing. Until then, stay fresh with your ideas, and I will see you next week. Namaste, my friends. Mm -hmm.